Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. God is calling us into new things, yeah? And sometimes, can that be a little scary? Sometimes that's a little scary. I think sometimes we wonder if we're doing the right thing. Um, You know, maybe some of you grew up in church and some of you didn't grow up in church, and um, that's completely okay. Wherever you're at, sometimes we can make assumptions about who God is versus who he says he is. Um, So I want to talk about just what we do with some of those questions how we navigate just connecting with God when we're doubting, when we're not sure what to do, giving him time to respond, not forcing him. And what do we do with things and emotions that we don't necessarily want, like fear, anger, sadness? Because especially for this kind of community here, we're like, the devil is a liar and I rebuke it. (laughs) We want no part with it, right? But sometimes we need to ask like, am I really communicating with God like this to receive healing? Um, You know, I help lead a Bible study on Mondays and um, I love playing with my ladies the dumb pastor card because everybody has expectations for me to say the right answer. And I'm like, what do you mean? Um, And they get so irritated with me because I'm like, you know, we go down this question like six or seven of like, well, where does that come from? Why do you believe that? And it's not to shame or guilt, but it's to kind of talk about what your core beliefs are. If you didn't use a Bible reference, what do you really, really believe? What do you really believe about God? We can read all the promises of God, but do we really know that? Have we really experienced that? And it's, are we okay with still waiting for God to show up in a way that what we read in the Bible is true in our lives? You know, I asked the ladies, how do you pray? Answers came up like, it's a dialogue. It's from the heart. But then towards the end, when I asked probably like six or seven more questions, it was like what you should and shouldn't do. Well, you should pray for others. You shouldn't be selfish. You shouldn't pray about like the things that you need. Is that, is that prayer? Maybe some of you are shaking your heads. Maybe some of you are not. But what do we do with that when we feel like there's this should, but then we're presented with this dialogue with God who sees us and hears us, and there's not a thought in our mind that he doesn't see? So what are we doing in prayer? Are we living in two spaces where we're saying one thing with our mouth, but then thinking something totally different and thinking that God doesn't see that? Let's be real here. We love to quickly should ourselves. We should all over our lives. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for applauding me. Um, Jeremy says I have terrible mom jokes, so thank you for indulging me. Um... (laughs) We've experienced God's freedom, but then our theology might tell us that we should do something. Reading the word isn't always that clear. 
There are so many people that have committed their lives, decades to reading the word and still have different opinions. Let alone people who just got saved and just try to figure it out. And they're asking you and they're coming to you in your space and you're like, I don't know. (laughs) We say here, oh, it's the diversity of the body, right? Many parts, different functions. That's cute until it has undertones of judgment when we don't see eye to eye, right? (laughs) It's, well, it's because they don't see like I see. Oh, is the Holy Spirit different in you than in them? I don't know, man. So we're going to ask some questions today. I'm going to make you might feel a little uncomfortable, but I promise it's because I love you and God loves you. The title of my message is Light Illuminates. One of the repeated descriptions of God in the Old and New Testament is that God is light. He radiates. His glory shows, shines. Go ahead and put up that slide, right, for that first I'm the light. Yeah. So we'll go straight to Jesus for a reference. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Hmm. Take a pause in that. What does it mean for God to be light? What does that mean for what is darkness? Are they describing different characteristics of God or do we associate them together? So if God is light, then he is showing, shining, exposing. But when we think of darkness, we might automatically assume that it's sin. But is that a different characteristic that God is trying to illuminate to us. Darkness. In the original Greek used, it's called skosha. It says spiritual obscurity, unseen, in secret, the state of being unknown, inconspicuous, or unimportant. Is that different? Is that different? Just pause with that. Why are we afraid of the dark when we're little? Are we, is it the darkness that really scares us or the fear of something might happen to us that we don't see? What is God saying when he is saying, I am the light? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He didn't say, whoever follows me will not do anything bad ever again. Because that's what we assume, right? And we're like saying, oh God, I must not be a good Christian because I'm not walking in the light because otherwise I wouldn't be in this darkness. Do we trust God to be an illumination in our life? What areas are unseen or hidden? Knowing that it could be anything. It could be the traumas. It could be the good things. It could be memories that we've stowed away. 
that we've forgotten. Over the past couple months, I've been um, at the hospital as a chaplain, and just for my master's and dealing with patients. <laughs> Thanks, Frankie. <laughs> You're so gracious. <laughs> Not only do we help patients and staff across the hospital, but we also look internally at ourselves to see if we get in our own way of our patient care, to know if our biases, to know if our traumas, our wounds are stopping us from allowing for connection. Because there's like a, something we don't know that we're preparing ourselves to not make ourselves vulnerable to it because we're nervous that somebody might hurt us or we might hurt them. There's this darkness, this uncertainty, this ambiguity, this obscurity. Can you go ahead and put that white slide up? So this is what we learn in CPE. Um, this is called the Johari window model. Essentially, there are things that we know and that others know. There are things that other people don't, that other people don't know, but we know, and it's hidden. There's stuff that other people that see of us, but we don't even know ourselves. Maybe like a silly example would be like, you know, when you got broccoli in your teeth and somebody's like, and you're like, God, I didn't even know that. But let's take like a different example of maybe the come, way you come off is maybe a little defensive. Versus like you might have something in your past and your trauma that nobody knows because you've never shared it before. There might be other things that you've shared that you both know. And then there's this block of things that is not known to you and not known to others. So the course of CPE, and this, this window comes from um, two psychologists in the 19-somethings, and they're both their first names, put it together because they wanted to be both known. So <laughs> just for your interest and fact, no. Um, so our course is all about creating an opening that window of things that we know and others know larger and essentially making everything else smaller. Over the past couple months, I'll be honest with you, I was enraged <laughs> by this process of illumination. People were talking to me about the process, you know. <laughs> I've worked uh, long hours before, but this was exhausting. I was told that I was afraid and I was pissed <laughs> because I'm not afraid. I do stuff. I've been in the military for 13 years. You know, like I'm not afraid to go into a room. I'm not scared. I'm not running away. So don't tell me that I'm afraid because I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That is not my portion. Are you, like, maybe you might be hearing yourself or is it just me? Nobody's afraid here. Okay, good. Cool. <laughs> okay, great. Um, good to know I'm just doing a sermon by myself. <laughs> I said, you know, I was thinking like, man, fear people, people, people who are afraid don't do take the first step. They don't do it. So I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Don't tell me I'm afraid because I'm not taking that over my life. You know, what immediately came to me was 2 Timothy 1.7. I think most Christians hold it where it says, For God gave us not the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. We're going to get to that word back again on fear. But that's what immediately my mind went to. I was like, oh, no, the devil is a liar. And these educators might be very wrong. <laughs> I'm not afraid. So the New Testament references Jesus saying, do not be afraid 11 times. 
So what that usually tells me, or what I have kind of come up with, is fear is bad. That you shouldn't do it. Because it says, do not do it. But there's that word again, should. Jesus says, don't be afraid, but what do I do when I am afraid? And fear can have a spectrum, right? Even just you getting a little nervous. Anybody felt anxious before? Even when you're doing something really good, you're afraid. But wait, Jesus says, don't be afraid, so I just got to, you got to push it down, right? Is that what you got to do? Let's put up that Matthew passage. So some of you might be familiar with this passage, and we're just going to go in. Matthew 14, 25, and we're going to go through verse 31. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Go ahead and go to that next slide. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? When did fear happen? When was everybody afraid? Go back one slide. They saw this random figure person walking on a lake, and they were on a boat. (laughs) I would be freaked out, too. (laughs) That first word, terrified, if you look at the the Greek definition, it's actually for troubled. They were troubled. They were getting kind of worried. What do you do when you're worried? You're just like, I got to stop being worried. I don't I got to worry about it. Just when it's a little bit, what's, what's our pattern? Just, just shove it down and manage it, right? <laughs> and then you have this word, cried out in fear. where we get the word phobia from. And then go to that next slide. But I think it's interesting that fear comes up again because he walked out on the boat, right? But then he was afraid. But what, Jesus, what does Jesus address? His doubt. Hmm. But I thought if you have fear, that means you have little faith. And I don't want to be a person with little faith. What do I do when I'm worried? What's my normal habit? Is that I just shove down my worry, my anxiousness, because I need to be better, should be better? Pastor Abraham recently posted and said, you can't build your house in the storm. And I've been thinking about it since. 
I realize I've been so quick to rebuke, to shove down and manage even the slightest bit of anxiety or nerves. When the storm hits, I am desperate and running because that's my pattern. I waver on who he is and who he's called me to be. You know, that word doubt helps word study says is two or double. Properly going two ways, shifting between positions, choosing a double stance and waver. Uncertain at a crossroad because refusing to choose one way over the other. Wanting our, to have our cake and eat it too. To halt between two opinions, views, and beliefs. Hmm. Although Jesus says, do not be afraid, he talks to Peter about his doubt. We were so quick to read this passage, we just automatically assume that fear meant that we weren't connected to Jesus. Go back one slide. Did we notice, too, that whenever Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's paired with courage? And he says it first. I think it's interesting when you look at fear, we read it in the Bible two ways. Fear of God or fear of dread and terror. What they have in common is that it puts you to flight. That's what it says in the original definition. So what is putting you to action? God or your dread? The worry that the darkness, something will happen. We are so quick to fear fear that we forget we're called to take authority first. When I start to identify everything into two categories of good and bad, of God and not of God, I don't leave room for God to just show me something new. I get hard on myself when I'm anxious, but is that a reflection of my character? I doubt myself. Is that okay? What about when you're sure of yourself? We say authority all the time, but let's use some not Christian language. When you're sure of yourself, what does your voice sound like when you're playing a game and you know you have a huge advantage? I got this. Maybe you do some trash talking. I know you. I know some of you. Very competitive. Whenever you guys play Catan with Abraham, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that I have the victory and I carry authority. There are two ways to say, don't you know who my father is? Versus, don't you know who my father is? We're saying the same things. We're recommending somebody should do something. But those tones have totally different meanings. Are you wavering? Let's put that up, uh, Timothy passage. For God gave us not a fear, but a power, love, and self-control. That word for fear 
That's where we've gotten messed up. The original Bible definition is timid, fearfulness, cowardice. Being afraid doesn't mean that you're a coward. Being afraid doesn't mean you don't have faith. Jesus said, you have little faith. Caleb shared a great message that I don't even want to get into because we'll be here all day about how fear is faith pointed in the wrong direction. If you take that Hebrews 11.1 passage and you were to switch the word faith for fear and put it in the opposite, fear is the assurance of things you don't hope for, the convictions of bad things that you don't want to see. (laughs) Faith is defined in the dictionary as divine persuasion from the inside out. That that miracle you saw wasn't building your faith. It confirmed the faith that you have because it's the things that we don't hope for. It's not produced by you. Is it okay to have little faith? For truly I say to you, Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move it from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Is it okay that I bring my questions to God? Do I believe that there are deeper revelations of the same truth, or do I just got it? Why am I so timid to ask? In what ways are we taking the time to ask the person of truth? Are we afraid of what he's going to say? Will it break our theology? Will it show us that we have still wounds that we need to heal from? Are we afraid to ask God questions because we're worried if he won't answer? Are we so timid to understand what brokenness is is in the world because it might mean that God is calling us out of our comfort, transforming us, taking us higher and deeper than we ever had before? Before fire burns, it illuminates. God is light and like a refining fire. I learned this summer that curiosity invites connection. This is a technique that helps me not to sound so cut off and practice with others. But I believe it also says a lot about how I connect with God. Sometimes I need to take more time to discern what voice is talking to me when I'm feeling disconnected. You know, I think the resting place has really taught me a lot about trusting my gut instinct. But I think there is space for both. And so I want to remind you of that today, church. Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this voice my insecurity? How quick am I to accidentally shut down an opportunity to invite him into my space, my mind, my will, and emotions? I wonder if you're giving yourself permission today to be curious and connect with the Lord on a deeper level because of the new thing that he's doing. Who told you that having questions meant you're weak to the Lord? In Isaiah 43, 18, 19, it says, forget the former things. 
Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That word springs up means sprouted. Does that change the way that you see that verse? It's like a little little plant showing itself out of the ground. In an area that you have never seen life. In an area that seems so broken and wild, it is springing up. No wonder we don't perceive it because we're so quick to look for the, the new thing that is instant there and in front of us. But it's springing up. The former things might be the way that you used to handle anxiety, nervousness, fear. Will you allow yourself to become curious with the Lord to show you a new way? Your former may, might look like mine. Shove it down. Distract yourself. Manage it. How do we cultivate this new sprout? Is God showing you a new way between him and fear. I invite you to give yourself permission to become curious, ask all the questions, and share your feelings because he cares for you. Stop shooting yourself. <laughs> and remember, you can't build your house in the storm. How are you aligning with God's will even when you're just a little anxious, just a little nervous for this thing that God has put in front of you that will allow you to build something new for when the storm hits, you're secure. I just want to close with um, a psalm. And... Uh, God illuminates. God is light. Just sit with that. What areas in your life have been obscure? Not just hard, not just broken, not just wretched, but obscure. You don't know what to do with it. You felt afraid of being confused with God because he's supposed to provide you clarity of mind. So as we end, I just want to do it a little different. I just want you to close your eyes. Just want you to receive what's going on with the piano on with the drums. Take this moment of stillness.
hear the Lord now. I know everything there is to know about you. I perceive every moment of your heart and soul. I understand your every thought before it even enters your mind because I am so intimately aware of you. I read your heart like an open book. I know all the words you're about to speak. I know every step you will take before your journey even begins. I've gone into your future to prepare the way. And in kindness, I followed you. I kept you from harm. I am laying my hand on you right now. You don't need to waver. Allow me to show you something real, something true. To where your thoughts and your words align. Allow your understanding of me to bring you wonder and strength. Where could you go from my spirit? Where could you run and hide from, from my face? Because if you go up to heaven, you're there. If you go down to the realm of the depths, then I'm there too. If you fly with wings into shining dawn, then I am there. And if you fly into radiant sunset, I am there waiting. Wherever you go, my hand will guide you. My strength will empower you. It's impossible to disappear from me, to ask darkness to hide you, because my presence is everywhere, because I am light. The night to me is as bright as day. There's no difference between the two. I formed you. I formed you in your innermost being. Shaping your delicate inside and your intricate outside. I wove them all together. I was there. I was there. invite your searching gaze into our hearts we ask you to examine us through and through and show us things that we've never seen before to show us the things that are hidden you know exactly what we're ready for your timing is perfect and so we trust that you're not going to show us things that we can't handle to the test and sift through all of our anxious cares. See if there's any pain of path that I'm pain of path that I'm walking on. Lead me back to your glorious everlasting way. The path that brings me back to you, Lord. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.